0: Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kirikides, as usual. I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, how we doing? Great. How are you? Good. Excited. I know uh, you are as well. We got a special guest this week. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to you for the introduction. Uh, Really, really looking forward to talking with this guy today, I think he's going to bring a ton of insight for all the listeners.
1: Yeah, tonight we have a, uh, a longtime friend of mine, um, a, a former competitor in the Liberty League with my uh, when, when I was coaching there. Um, but a, a rock solid dude who's been around college baseball for a very long time. Um, he's really good at his job. Um, from a recruiting standpoint from a coaching standpoint uh, you know the last two years three four years actually I think at this point like they're they're tops in the Liberty League um, they won the regular season this year they were in a regional last year um, but tonight we have um, the University of Rochester head coach Joe Reina. Joe thanks for uh,
2: thanks for joining us tonight. Oh I appreciate it guys great to see you guys and thanks for having me on. Yeah we're excited um, you know we
1: not every day do we get a, a, a another head ball coach on here to uh, start breaking some stuff down when we kind of get into the recruiting and the um, just the the kind of the questions that need to be answered and, and the information that people actually need to know versus just the, you know, I think I know what I'm doing and you actually have no idea, um, you know, so it's fun to actually be able to sit here and talk baseball with baseball people and and get people the information they need. Um But before we get going, um, what we do with everyone is just kind of give us an overview of uh, a 30,000 view of how you've gotten to where you are today before we kind of jump into all these questions.
2: Sure. So um, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. I was um, fortunate enough to then um, go to St. Bonaventure University, Um, made the team as a walk-on. Things didn't work out. Went back to a local junior college here at Monroe Community College. Um, played there two years. Was an All American my sophomore year before I then headed down to Long Island University, the Brooklyn campus. Uh, played for Coach Giannone there for two years in the Northeastern Conference. Um, and then really was kind of at a point where I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, there was independent ball options. Um, wasn't sure that was really the route for me. But, you know, then um, talked to my former coaches at Monroe Community College and asked them, hey, any interest in, in having a, a younger guy on staff? And, and you know, I had, I had some interest in possibly getting into coaching. Uh, and they said, sure. They agreed to it. Um was there for a couple of years before I then moved on to the College of New Jersey to get my graduate degree as a grad assistant under Rick Dell, um, who gave me a ton of responsibilities at a very young age, you know, between making the schedule, um, directing the recruiting efforts, you know, taking over the infield and hitting um portions of, of the program. Um and and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, and then, as you guys know, once I finished my degree, trying to get in the door of coaching was, was a challenge. You know, I had, I had done a couple of years in the summer leagues, the New York Collegiate League, as a head coach. Um, you know, at the end of my time at TCNJ, I was fortunate enough to get asked to go up to the Cape for a summer to run an offense uh, with Spencer Graham, who I still believe is is a scout in the business. Um, So it was, you know, you got a lot of different irons in the fire at a young age and you're trying to really navigate, okay, what's the next move, uh, which which can be a challenge. And, and, you know, during that time, uh, I got a phone call from our softball coach in, in New Jersey saying, hey, I think the University of Rochester is looking for I had baseball coach and she goes, you grew up there, right? I said, yeah. Um, And She said, you know, they're, they're going to make it into a full-time job. I said, great, you know, put my paperwork in and and got a phone call and and did the interview process. And, you know, 22 years later, you know, I'm still here. So uh, I'd like to think we're doing something right. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how I got here. It's, uh, it's, it's a road <laughs> that I
0: think a lot of guys who've been in the business know that it's it's not always that straightforward. And, um, I mean, obviously you've learned from a lot of different people along the way, and you've been a head coach for 22 years now. And I think, uh, you know, you've, to build Rochester into the program it is today, I think speaks to, to you as a coach, you as a person. And I know, you know, me and Keith both have a ton of respect for what you built up there. I had to take our ass ass whoopings from you when we when I was at Vassar and uh, you know, we we're always trying to close that gap on you guys trying to figure out like well how do we beat Rochester so um, looking forward to to getting some additional insight here the the first question I'm going to throw at you Joe and I think this will be an interesting I think this will be an interesting conversation for everybody who's listening because of the caliber of school that Rochester is and the level of play that you need to have from a player in order to continue to build that program into, you know, what I assume you aspire to be is to make that College World Series appearance. does um, the process of player identification look like for you? Um, not only from like the evaluation piece, but also I know obviously the academic piece, the financial piece, those are big pieces of the puzzle for you. So I'd love for you to take a few minutes and kind of talk us through what it looks like through your eyes from a recruiting perspective?
2: Yeah, a great question. Um, and I don't know if there's really, you know, one, it's it's a multitude of things that you're trying to put together. Um, obviously the academic piece is big. And and each year that I've been at Rochester, it seems like the the class strength, um in general continues to grow and grow. Um, and we're trying to keep up with that as well. Uh, we we have a really good relationship with our admissions people who, you know, that has changed immensely and has given us a ton of success, not because, you know, it's getting easier to get kids in. That's that's not the case at all, but their communication with us early on in the process. Meaning, you know, we're currently looking at our 24 class right now and we have transcripts in and we are getting those over to admissions now. So that, that helps, you know, it's important to know who you can go after just as, as important it is as it is to know who you can't go after. You know, you don't want to spend time chasing kids that um, or following kids around that, that admissions is going to say no to in the end. So, so we try to get that done early. The financial piece is another big piece. Um, you know, having conversations with families saying, this is the sticker price. You know, I, you know, you need to be comfortable with it. If you need a, a, if a financial aid package or merit money, and and it's a big piece to the, to making your decision, this probably won't be the place because it's, it's just, that's just the school we are. Um, but take those pieces out and now we get to the player, the player itself we want a physical athletic young man that's what we want you know a guy that we don't carry a big roster at rochester that's by design i want kids that can play multiple spots you know that are going to allow us to run bunt play the small game yet we you know we can we can hit doubles in the gap and and leave the yard if we need to um that that's that's really what we what we're trying to get and it's it's a you know we've got some t- tremendous programs within our region in New York state and there's one that has been the the benchmark for i think every other school in the New York region so we play them every year and that, and that's you, you kind of see the bodies they have the style of play they have and that's really what we're trying to continue to keep up with and build so it reflects the same as theirs. Now, is it a bigger challenge for us? 100%. But we also are allowed to go into the homes of young men from Southern California, from Houston, Texas, from Chicago, from Miami, where that program can't do that. So, you know, that's an advantage for Rochester. Um, You know, we're able to show, Hey, these are, these are, this is what our players are doing five years out of college. You know, they're, they're successful attorneys. They're in premier medical schools. Um, You know, they're, they're working on wall street. You know, those are the things that we can, you know, that help close our case with some of these families. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, you guys got a beautiful facility,
0: beautiful facility. The campus is fantastic. Um, Yeah. It's a really cool place. And, if you're an academic kid and an academic family who's listening to this, like you need to go do a little bit of research. Um, it's a pretty cool place to play. And, you know, the product you guys put out on the field is fantastic. I mean, we you've had a couple draft guys in the last few years, if I'm not mistaken, Joe.
2: Yep. Yep. We have. And hopefully, you know, might, might get a few more in the in the next coming. So, um, but yeah, the facilities, you know, that's another piece, Andy, and I'm glad you brought that up because there's, You know, I think kids, when they go around campuses, especially in the summertime, with their parents, you know, take a look around. This is the time of year when colleges do major construction on their campuses. And if you're on a college campus and you don't see construction, that should be a little bit of a warning sign for you as a family um, in the health of the institution. You know, we're all reading the newspaper these days about schools closing, cutting back. Um, you know, in Rochester, that, that's not the fact. We went through a full renovation in 2012, um, redid the turf in 2021, and just put another $2.34 million into our back, backstop and grandstand area to finish it off. So, um, you know, the institution has put their money where their mouth is. And the fact that they're stating that athletics is woven deep into the educational experience at Rochester. I, I think, I think certainly you certainly don't get that everywhere.
1: And the other thing too, you know, it's, it's not just Rochester. I think there's a lot of schools out there that can do this, but I mean, speaking from experience in, in, of playing in the league, like there's, there's a certain level of care that rochester has from an athletic department standpoint which I, I i don't you know not everybody has that in in college athletics or division <laughs> three and i think that, that that's a unique thing that you guys have there that like you you can walk on campus and aside from the the <clears throat> the construction you see like everything there from an athletic standpoint is nice um and, and they compete in everything so like there, there's a certain level of care where you're like all right like the like the student athlete is being taken care of here and they're doing things the right way for these kids and, and and it's paying off in the long run and i think that that's something that people don't they don't know how to look at or address in the recruiting process but it's it's easily seen i think if you look at at a department as a whole right like not just the the yeah. you're going to have you're going to have programs that are like that are going to be outliers that are really good at at schools that they might not otherwise care you know, but I, I think when you see athletic departments that are successful across multiple sports, across multiple genders, it's like all right, something's going on here where they care about what's going on athletically. I would agree. the The next question I'm going to lob at you here, um, and I, you know, I have a little bit of an idea, but it's something we ask everybody who does come on here. You know what? What do you find to be the steepest? Um, learning curve for incoming freshmen when they get to campus?
2: Um, I I think it's a couple of things. I think it is being at a division three institution. There's this misconception that division three baseball is easy. There is a misconception that, um, you know, playing time is to be expected as a freshman, and I think both could not be further from the reality. You know, the speed of the game is is noticeable. The physicality of Division Three baseball at a high level is noticeable. Um, if you have a you know hole in your swing, it's exploited. Um, if you struggle to locate a certain pitch it's exploited. You know, there, there, there are some differences between Division One and Division Three, and I think we all realize that, but the gap is ever closing with the level of, the difference in level of play. Um, and, I've, and I've seen it in the last five years, for sure. I've seen it even close quicker in the last two uh, with the transfer portal and opportunities that are, that are now given that the NCAA is given to the student athletes. So, um, I, I think incoming kids to Rochester. I, I think the physicality and speed of the game is is really the big thing, along with the keeping up the academic piece in this in the spring season. Those are probably the three that I would say um, jump out at me right away.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, uh, the academic piece is always a worry of mine, but the I, I, the physicality that has come over the last – I mean, I agree, the last two years, but even in the last five, six years, I mean, it was our RPI for 10. Like, it's a completely different game than what it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think that there's – you know, you're right. You fight the, the, the stigma that it's like 13th grade. You know, and we've talked about on this before, like there's there's levels within the levels, right? Like everyone knows there's division two. Well, they should know that like they're like you throw Millersville into subpar division one team like Millersville is going to roll them. They're a really good baseball team and same, like there's really good division three schools that are going to be able that would be able to compete. You know, and I I think that, you know, what people don't understand is how good the baseball is at the division three level. And it's, it's easy to see, like you just go watch a game. I mean, if you live here in Rochester, like you have Rochester, you have RIT, you have Fisher. I mean, there's three really good teams right there. You have Brockport, you know, in the last four years or the last two years, three of those four have made a regional, like, go watch it. It's high level, really good baseball.
0: I mean, I think you you know, if you turn on the NCAA regionals or if you follow mm-hmm. Division One baseball, you're seeing the byproduct of that. I mean, Boston College, they have a Salve Regina guy and a Babson guy throwing significant innings on a top twenty five team in the country. And I just turned on the Mason game the other day against Wake Forest and they're throwing a kid from Clark. Like those kind of kids, by the time they become juniors and seniors, they have the ability to compete at a really high level of any college baseball. But the question I would ask you, Joe, is transfer portals obviously had an effect on a lot of different things. And one of the things that me and Keith have talked about is that there's a trickle down and there's a few other reasons that it's happened and why college baseball is so darn good right now. But one of the trickle down effects is this transfer portal. Do you feel that and no knock on a lot of the really good players that I watched you coach like eight or 10 years ago. But like, do you feel like that bar for your program has gone up because you have access to some kids that might throw a little bit harder or run a little bit faster? Like, do you, is, is that something that you're seeing all recruiting?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's a question. That's a very fair question. and one that I get a lot on the road and talk with families. Um, and, And the reality for Rochester is we don't, we don't really shop in the portal. You know, that's not, that's not, um, you know, I think if there's kids that academically want what we have to offer, then 100% I, I would take a look as I would 10 years ago at a kid that wanted to transfer in, but I'm not seeking going in the portal, trying to find those guys. And maybe that's wrong. Um, I just, I'm, comfortable with you know building a program and a team with um in the way that i we've done it in years past um i enjoy that i love practice is probably one of my favorite times but i you don't know, i think i think that um you know the just the portal piece it is is tricky you know we we have we've had some graduate Transfer portal guys um, that have come in and played and and have done a great job. But when you're talking about a a roster of 32 guys, you know, I love the development of the freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior, junior to senior. Like that's, and and that could be wrong of me. I mean, maybe that's why we're, you know, we're getting to the regional and not advancing any further. I don't know. Um, I just, That's just what you get at Rochester. And I think our admissions people and our administration wants that as well. That's what they want it to look like.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I got to imagine for you, a big part of it is the development piece. The guys do continue to get better. And when they come in as freshmen, they get in with the culture, they get in with your philosophies and they start to develop as they get going. And sometimes that one-year plug-in can be difficult.
2: The, to me, Andy, the, the culture is king that, that has, you know, I get coaches that ask, okay, you know, Joe, what's been the secret over the last five, six, eight years. And, and I got to tell you, it, it's obviously the caliber of player, but it's the culture that these guys have established. Um, and I tell them every year, like, Hey, this is your guy's team. I, I'm just the bus driver. I, I just get behind the wheel. You guys tell me where you want to go. Um, and they've really taken taken a, uh, you know, taken a liking to the fact that, you know, culture is important. They want a good culture. They think it wins, you know, the proof's in the pudding. It has won one. Um, I believe it will continue to win and it's built around unselfish guys that want to make the guy behind them in front of them and each side of them better. And I know that's, that's uh, a unicorn in today's day and age. Um, and I respect that. Um, and I'm not going to monkey with it at all. Yeah, you shouldn't don't broke what's don't fix what's not broken. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, would you say, I guess just following off Andy's question real quick, um, which I, and I I think I found this to be a little bit true, but with out, notwithstanding the transfer portal, because I, same thing when I was at RPI, I'm not really in there. But do you think, with how competitive the transfer portal has become at other levels and other schools, that you're able to find better players that fit what it is that you're looking for at Rochester because other people aren't recruiting those kids. They're going into the portal. Or yeah, would you say,
2: I, or, or is it the same as it's been? Yeah, I I mean I think there's there are better kids. It takes longer to what I think to say, you know, commit them. Um because listen, I, I have I have two high school age Baseball players in my household, you know, and they're, and they're watching the NCAA's, and they're like, I could play there, I could play there, I could play there, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of kids can, but if you know, Tim Corbin's not calling you, you can't play there, you know. So I, I don't, I do think there's better players that are available to us that are more open to what Rochester has to say and what what I have to say. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, what other people are doing, I, I, I can't worry about it cause it's hard enough here at Rochester. So I, I just really focus in on what we do well. Um, and that's really, you know, allowing the guys to take what they want to take, be a neuroscience if you want to be you know, be a wall street guru if you want to be and play high level baseball, have a good time, you know, be around me for six months. Hopefully we're winning and it's, and it's enjoyable. Um, but you know, that, that, that's what I, that's what I want for, for our guys. Yeah, that's great.
0: That's great. I think we spend a lot of time talking about like the physical evaluation, right. And everybody likes different stuff and, I know you like guys who can run and are athletic and it's always been a big part of what you've done really well there. But what I would be more interested in hearing from you is what are some of the character traits? What are some of the less physical things that you're looking at throughout the evaluation process for a kid that either gets you to like, yeah, that's the guy or, hey, I don't know if that kid's quite a fit.
2: So you know, interaction, right. Face-to-face interaction. You know, can a kid look at me eyeball to eyeball, you know, understand and appreciate what I'm explaining to him about the academic piece at Rochester. How does the young man interact with his family? Does he introduce me to his parents or do I have to do it? You know, are you an introverted extroverted? You know, you guys both know me, I'm an, I'm an extrovert through and through. And if you are too much of an introvert, it's like, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle in our program because I want those kids, um, you know, watching, watching in a game, you know, if you strike out, you know, what do you, what do you act like when you come back to the bench? You know, you're, you're on the mound. You get a big strikeout. I want to see some emotion, but it's positive emotion. It's not woofing at the other team. Like, that stuff doesn't really play for me. But I want to see that positive emotion. You know, if your teammate makes a great catch, you know, how how, how jacked up do you get, you know, when, when he's coming off the field? Like, th- those are the pieces that I want to see because I also, you know, at the end of the day, you guys know this, baseball at this level can be hard and humble. Do you have fun playing? Right? Because most of these guys, you know, they're going to med school. They're going to Wall Street. You know, we have a few guys that go that are able to collect a check playing it. But you got four years, man, and that window gets shorter. You guys all know this. It gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And I want guys that have fun at practice, have fun playing, and, and really just, I mean, are great teammates.
0: The the fun thing such a it's such an interesting concept that I think can like people associate fun and they don't realize that you can be tough and you can work hard and you can compete and that can all encompass fun and it's funny that you bring that up as like a key piece of the puzzle because it took me a little longer to figure it out but when I got to William and Mary and got around some guys who were definitely going to play professionally. One of the things that really stuck out to me is that if the kid doesn't enjoy showing up every day, it's over. Right? They have to enjoy the hard stuff. They have to enjoy the commitment to the team. They have to enjoy the practice. They have to enjoy the bad days. They have to enjoy the good days. They have to enjoy the travel. They have to enjoy all of it because the moment that that becomes pulling teeth to get them to be there, When the kid is the kid who only shows up for practice. It's hard to come back from that. And I think it's because it goes back to that one word fun. Like if it's fun and you enjoy it, all the hard stuff is okay. And you can push through it because you're going to fail. You're going to have a moment where things do not go your way, but if you enjoy it, you come back to it.
2: Yeah. I I mean, listen, we have, You know, I work with the pitchers, and and we'll have guys that come down and throw pens. The pens are just awful, right? And and I'm and you know I know that this guy's you know a neuroscience and bio double major, and I know it's the you know mid-April when it's all breaking loose for him, and I'll just back him right off the mound and be like, hey man, like that's terrible. And I hope you don't get mad at me for telling you that, but, you know, I've just got to be honest with you. And he'll turn around and be like, I know I'm like, all right, well, are you mad at me? He's like, no. I was like, good. Because if you're operating on me someday, I don't want you switching my wires in my brain, making me talk a little different or act a little goofy, you know, and it just <laughs> loosens them up. Right. It just loosens them up. And I'm like, all right, man, let's go execute the next 10 pitches. And you'd be amazed at just, how much more relaxed they are. And then it's like, you know, he gets done with those 10 and he turns it on. I'm like, man, that's elite. He goes, yep. I go, it ain't that serious, brother. You know, and you, you just got to like, because stats don't say, I mean, I know we're a game on numbers, but stats are 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 what they are. You're never going to change them. You could piece 10 balls in a row, be over 10. I'm still putting you in the lineup. Right. Because you just smash 10 balls. So I think, you know, as in a younger generation, and listen, I see it because I coach youth baseball as well. People are so connected on the stats and it's such a put way too much stock in it. And I think that is something that drives these kids from not enjoying it because they're just driven by that black and white number set that's put on a piece of paper or on a screen. I think it's wrong.
1: Yeah, the we've had discussions on this before, and I, I think the, the stat thing is a, it's a fickle beast because the, this, this game is far too hard. And, you know, we used to have this conversation. I used to have this conversation with hitters all the time. Like, you can only control your swing. You have no control over anything after you get that swing off. You could absolutely barrel a baseball right back through the middle of the shortstop, you know, ranges glove side, dives and throws you out like you have no control over that. You could also shatter your bat and end up with a double, which is, you know, that's why this game is stupid sometimes, you know. But to your point, like I I think a lot of people put so much stock in in their stats and not necessarily, you know, that it starts to diminish their. Their love for the game and showing up because they're so results driven, and I I think that it's hard sometimes to really like. Yes, the stats are like the you can manipulate them how you want, but it's it makes it a little bit. If you're only worried about your stats, like it's you're not going to enjoy actually playing the game. You're not going to compete. You're really just worried about what you know what your numbers look like, and that's never really going to be a recipe for success long term.
2: No, I don't think it ever has been. No. Right.
1: <clears throat> um, You know, when you get into, um, you know, for when you're recruiting guys, you know, are there any specific, well, let's call it position players. You know, are there any specific metrics you look at specifically for like, you know, the floor of what it is that you want in your program of guys that you're going to recruit, or is it more of a, you know, they pass the eyeball test and then we're going to kind of go from there and see what fits my coaching
2: style. No, I, I think, you know, we're, we play on turf. So I, I, I love guys that run, um, you know, the 60 time is is something that I, I do look at. I do pay attention to, I love to get home the first times, especially in games. Um, you know, pop time from a catcher. You know, I think if 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 you can stay in that two that two 2.0 pop, that's that worked for us. Um, because I think things can get sped up. You know, the 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 pitching metrics, you know, I, I I think I've been around long enough and talked to enough guys to know that if an arm works, an arm works. Um I don't know enough about the spin rate and all and how all that stuff plays. You know, at our level, I think at, at division three, there's still division three baseball players. You know, hitters always get themselves out. You know, that's that's been true as as long as the game has been played. Um, but those are really the the main metrics position wise is is, is really, you know, 60 home to first and pop times. So you don't
0: evaluate a hitter solely based on his exit velo that he took in a batting cage with nobody trying to get him
2: out? No. I mean, listen, you know, I <laughs> you can watch a swing and know if it works. Yeah, absolutely. So. <clears throat> absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, those things, I was always, for in-game, for position guys, like how they take an a bat always really clued me in. Like, what does the take look like? can they get to velocity without clearly having to guess, right? Is there some athleticism in the swing? Because I don't know, for me, coaching, it wasn't so much about the mechanics. And I know we've got all these Twitter gurus and like some of that stuff's crazy valuable. And like, yeah, you do need to have a good swing in order to be a good hitter usually. But I thought that one of the biggest things that kids needed to be taught when they got to college, and I'll be here, is to curious to hear your thoughts on this, is how to actually taking it back right? Like under being able to understand where that guy's throwing from, like, can you pick up the window? Like, what are you going to identify? Are you going to identify his glove hand? Cause glove hand ball is usually going to follow, or are you going to pick up a slot? Um, what's his tempo? Like, how is that going to affect how you get into position? Uh, and then you start getting into what does that guy do well, right? If he can't throw the ball arm side, well, let's eliminate that from what we're looking at. Like, to, let's adjust our eyes appropriately. Like, well, he's thrown 10 breaking balls today, and he hasn't thrown one for a glove strike. You know, like, those are the things that I thought made a huge difference for guys specifically when I was at William & Mary because the mental piece is usually what allowed them to get their best swing off.
2: Well, and and you bring up a great point. And, and you know, my, when I work with our the the youth program that I work with, You know, we spend a ton of time on approach and timing and how do we get that? How do we do it? When I go recruit kids, I love it when they get two strikes out of them because I want to see if he has a two-strike approach because you'd be surprised how many of them don't change a thing. And when the ones that do, I'm like, yep, I'm circling that kid's name because he's got an idea of what he's doing. And we can kind of fix some of the mechanical stuff. But, man, that mental piece, that, that's that is, that, thats as good as gold.
0: I think the other thing that gets lost on people is that high school baseball and college baseball are not the same. Right. High school baseball, like if you get a couple really good hitters, they can kind of just make it go. Like they're going to hit a double and you'll score some runs. You'll do that kind of stuff. But in college, you really are a piece of an offense and the goal is to score runs, like everybody loves hits, right? And we stick with batting average, but actually it's interesting that we're getting to this, but Bobby Tewksbury had a really interesting tweet the other day, and if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, he's a pretty good follow. Bobby does some really good stuff. Um, But he had a tweet about comparing teams in their batting averages, and you would see teams with like the same batting average but one team would have scored a hundred more runs over the course of the season. And it gets down to the point of the goal is to score runs. And in college baseball, you talk about the two strike approach, getting a ball in play with two strikes may not win you every game, but it might win you a game because you get on first base and then you're able to maybe steal second. And then a guy pokes one through and you end up scoring a run in taking that team-first, two-strike approach, being able to move a runner, having feel for where the infield is with a guy on third, like those are the things that I don't think they get taught as much as they should at the high school level. But they win you games, and they make seasons at the college level. And for me, it was a little frustrating that a lot of that information had to get passed on to kids who are really talented and they didn't understand some of the significance of things like that on a small scale.
2: Well, and, and we talk about, we talk about approaches at the plate. Same could be said for base running. You watch high school kids, you know, you're watching guys that, you know, we, we've got a kid coming in that I went and watched played and he's, he's got some terrific physical, physical, you know, gifts you know, especially on the baseball field. But I watched him go from first and score in five pitches. He didn't steal one base. It's he's reading balls down, reading balls off the bat. You know, ball gets blocked. It's close, but it's just, you know, it squirts, you know, to the right 10 feet. He's got a great secondary walking lead down third base. He scores no problem. You know, when I watch that, I'm like, man, that, that's a guy that can come play for me. Because you just can't teach those things. You know, that they're, you can drill it to try to get the, the you know, the, the actions and get the, the instincts. The but that man, if you, like, as soon as I saw that kid, I was like, like, he'll score a ton of runs for us. You know, it has always come back, well, Joe, he's kind of small, physical-wise. I go, doesn't matter, man. He's strong as can be, and that kid will score runs for us, and a lot. So.
0: Sounds like a an old friend of ours, Mr. Blaine Fouquet, it just seemed like he was always doing something to win you a baseball game. No doubt. Move a runner, ball always going to the right spot. Like, there, there's something to be said about that. And uh, when you get to college, those are the things that matter, right? Like those little things and i'm glad that you're highlighting it as a big piece of the puzzle of what you do from an evaluation perspective and how you build your teams because i mean a lot of times those things add up significantly over the course of a season Yeah. we got next to your coach glass let me go through my list again got off track got off track there for a second
1: uh, you start talking base running. Uh, there, you, you can, there's a lot to be said about it. Nobody knows how to base run anymore, and it's maddening. You got to continually
2: teach it. it. It's just high school coaches, and I love them because I have to love them. But, you know, I think you're you're – the two-hour time in practice, it's a hard two hours. Once that clock reads 120 minutes, I feel like that's one of the things that just goes un, untapped in some of these kids.
1: And I think the, the, the other piece of it, too, and I agree, is that you have, you know, I, I think from a high school standpoint, like the, the vast majority, the best player on every high school team is likely going to play in college. Like there's a lot of kids that aren't actually going to play college baseball. And you know, I don't know how many people actually put the like I think people put the time in to do it, but how like what is what does that time look like? Is it quality time or is it just like, hey, everyone go stand at first and I'm gonna stand over here and I'm gonna wheel you and you go first and third. And it's what it is. And then, like there's no, you know, I, I I think sometimes you can say that you covered it, but like one, how serious are we taking it? What are the reps look like and and what are we actually doing there? I mean, I know. I know when I grew up, growing up for me, like we didn't run the bases at all. Like I, it it was a pretty steep learning curve for me. When I got to college, they were like, how long is your lead? I'm like, I don't know. Take a couple steps, stand here. And it was like, nope, that's not what this is going to be. And it was like, wow. Okay. There's a lot more that goes like, I didn't know, Joe, I'll never forget like day two of the fall. One, I didn't know what a double cut was. So I couldn't, I, I couldn't get that right to save my life. And then I couldn't get the sign straight, and Andy's just screaming at from shortstop to figure it out. And I'm behind the plate, and I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be figuring out. Like, I, I don't. This game is so fast; I don't know what is happening right now. And I'm just getting berated by. Yeah. Like, this is this is a nightmare. What am well, I
2: doing? You know, in the fall, we always tell our guys like, you know, anything you're on first base anything not hit directly at an outfielder, you are to go first to third without stopping. You are not looking. And and the guys that are so afraid to make a mistake that I start to yell at them for standing at second base. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're never going to know if you can do it until you start doing it. Right. And, and, you know, we've, we had, you know, a really good center fielder who could run a little bit. And it was the same thing. I would tell him, I don't care where the ball is hit. If it's a base hit, you're at first, you go to third. I don't care. You get thrown out, that's on me. Right. He's like, What? I go, you are not stopping. Head down and go. And he runs a six two sixty. So it's like, you gotta roll. And he got pretty good at it, but it took him a little bit because he was so he was just deathly afraid of making a mistake and getting thrown out. And I was like, We'll live with it. Right. We'll live with it.
0: And there's the context around it, too, and this is the other thing that we, when we would talk about it is, one, practice is the place to fail. Like, this is – there's no consequences. Like, we're playing an air squad get thrown out at third. I won't. Yeah. It's a big deal. Like, I told you to do it. The other thing that I think can get lost in the shuffle, too, is that most outfielders, even the really good throwers, it's hard to throw a ball 180 feet, give the third baseman the proper hop, To tag a runner out like that's a sequence of events that is a difficult thing to happen. And in most cases you see it in college baseball, like a lot of coaches, they won't even, you know, we had a stop sign at third base. We didn't have a wheel sign. If you were on second base, I'm not wheeling you. You're supposed to score. I'll stop you if something weird happens back here where you can't score. And we won games like that. Guys scoring from second base on a ground ball to the second baseman that gets muffed just a little bit because we had practiced that and it was part of what we did that when there's two outs and you're on second base, you do not slow down at all. Like you do not slow down until the umpire calls that guy out on the third, the third outs called. And we won multiple games like that. Just a little muff or the ball guy gets pulled off of first base. And that dude's all pissed off because he thinks he stayed on the bag up. Well, we just scored a run and, It doesn't matter until it matters, but when it happens, everybody gets it. Like the one time you go first to third and that's the reason you win a game, everybody goes, oh, that's what coach was talking about. That's why it matters.
2: You know, and Andy, you talked about scoring runs and and doing the little things and, and, you know, scoring runs and bunches off of not getting a lot of hits, and and that's one of the ways you do it. It's that first to third play where – it's 50-50 at third. He's safe, but guess what? The guy that just hit the ball back backfills in the second, and now we have second and third with no outs, and we can go fly ball, ground ball, and we've just scored two runs. Yeah, like yeah, you, like, you think that, that that's score two runs with two outs, right? And and that's what. You know, some of these better teams in our region, you know, when you watch them play and and when we travel the country and start to get into some of the elite teams and elite baseball programs in division three, you sit and watch it and you're like, Okay, that's what we gotta do. That's what we gotta work on. We gotta get better at that. We do that pretty well, you know. And then our guys start to see, well, we 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 execute that way better than they do, and they're number one in the country. It's like, yeah, we're not that far away. No, it's Good interesting.
1: I, I think that a lot of those things go untalked about. But like it's all it also goes into the, the the what you gotta learn when you get on campus. Yeah. Right? Like the like those are things that you know I had to figure out pretty quickly what a double cut was. I didn't know. <laughs> and then I apparently had to figure out just everything because I was just getting screamed at by my co-host to figure it out. So it can be demanding. But there's light at the end of the tunnel out. because now we do this
2: together, so we're still yeah. friends. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> the,
1: you know, you brought up—he's probably, up
2: probably texting you. Figure it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: you brought up earlier that you know culture's king in your program, and I, I, I've seen it. You know, obviously we played against each other, and I, I, I've seen it. You know what? what are those character traits just you know, you don't have to give them all, but like, what are some of the character traits you value in the recruiting process that you know, like, all right, like if this kid is, if this kid's tough, or if this kid is, you know, that fit into what you know is going to work for you um, that, that, you know what I mean? Like they're going to get in and like, it's going to be a seamless
2: transition for them into your culture. I think any sign of selfless behavior. You know, when you guys were coaching, you do the overnight visits. You know, and I would I would make sure that whoever we brought on campus met with at least five to ten of our guys, and I pulled all those guys in at some point during the week, going, "You guys really like them," and I would play it off like I I didn't really like I didn't really care for them, right? I'd be like, man, I don't know right. about this kid. And I would just listen to what our players would say. You know, if if you got kids going, coach, what are you talking about, man? No way, this kid, this cat gets it. Like, he'd be pretty good. And you got a no-brainer. Then it's, then it's like, all right, this is one we're, we're going to really push hard for. Or if, you know, you got the kid that was like, yeah, you just coach, he just thinks he's better than, than really what he is, which every kid does. Right. I mean, you kind of want that, Mm -hmm. but, but then when it, when it trickled into selfish behaviors, you know, then we knew that this wasn't, this wouldn't work. This isn't going to be a good fit. You know, I love personalities, you know, Keith, you, you coach against our team for a while. We've got, We've got some great ones
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know and and you know kid that just graduated Joe Rendy. he he was a guy that could command the favorites. room. yep he could command the room and I knew that day one when when he came to campus you know he could command it he was a shortstop he needed to command it you know the shortstops a position I played so I would drill on him man it was tough for for him as a freshman but he's he, he You know, his teammates watched him get chewed out from time to time, and he still kept coming back. And at the end of the year, heck, against your game, he made two of the best plays I've seen a shortstop make ever at our level. So that's the, you know, I think the more selfless behaviors I see and our players see, that's a huge sign for us.
1: I think it's a, a huge thing, right? Like the, the more it, it creates more headaches in the long run. But I think it's also you know it, it's it's vital that you actually have a handful of players in on the process when you bring them on campus because they're like it's super hard to be able to kind of get a bunch of kids on campus who have never met if they've never met any of the kids that incoming it's gonna it, like it's a weird fall. There's a super weird dynamic. Everyone's trying to figure it out. Like, and I saw it after COVID, right? Like you couldn't have anyone come. And then, you know, they show up and it's like, who are these kids? Like, we've never met them before. We've never hung out with them. And it it took a lot longer to kind of like get that feel into the program. Whereas, you know, previously it was like, yeah, everyone's come and visited. They've met five, six, seven, eight guys. You know, and they they have previous relationships with the guys coming in you know, and you feel a little bit more comfortable about it. And, you know, I think by and large it's worked out, but it was, you know, it's, I think that that's something that is underutilized, but also like vital from a coaching standpoint of like, you want to make sure that the kids you're bringing in are getting the, you know, I don't want to say the, okay, but like you're getting the nod from some of the kids of like, Hey, like I think he's going to fit in here really well. Like he's, seems like a rock-roll
2: student. Like we want him. It's vital for us as coaches. But it's vital for the families and the and the student-athlete that we're trying to recruit, right? Like, I always tell them, you can ask me anything. I'm fully transparent. I'm going to give you the honest answer. And the same questions you're asking me, I expect you to ask my our players. Right. And the answers better match up, whether you're at Rochester or any other school. Because mm-hmm. if the answers don't match, you're not, you're not in a place that you probably want to be at. Correct, You know, and, and with my, my two kids, it's the same process, right? It's, Hey, ask these questions. If you, if you're getting different answers from different sides, then you're probably not at a place you want to be at, or you're going to be happy at.
0: On the flip side of that. And you kind of already answered it, but I think this is an important thing. So I think it's just important to touch on the good as it is to highlight some things not to do. When you get a chance to meet a kid, um, in a family, or, or maybe we can t- even take it back to the evaluation process and then talk about what the interaction looks like when you get on campus. But what are some red flags when you're evaluating a player from a physical perspective in terms of what you see on the field? Maybe it's effort, whatever that might be. And then what are some red flags with the interactions that you have with kids and their parents that you know may not be the reason that you go in a different direction but might give you a little bit of pause?
2: I would say on the field fl- red flags for me are um, on and off the field I'm watching body language I'm watching how you go about your business because you'll never know that I'm there i will not I hardly ever wear anything that says rochester on it. I get behind the backstop once in a while, but generally i start i i go to i kind of meander around the field. So I watch that a lot. That's that, that that is um, a big, big piece of the puzzle for me. Um, I think when I'm interacting with families, when the parents dominate the discussion, um, that, that concerns me. You know, when the young man's in my office and, and can't speak for himself, that can, that's a flag. That's a massive red flag Um, because while I am recruiting the family and the player, this young man's going to spend four years with me and he needs to tell me what he does well, what he's got to work on. If he has a problem, if he needs help, he's the one that needs to come in my office or call me or text me, you know, not mom and dad. Like this is, you know, And I understand parents are afraid. They're nervous. I'm one. I get it. I'm going through it with my sons now. Like, I I am 100% there with you. But it's their journey. I've already taken it as a student athlete. I know how much fun I had. I know what it did in my life. They need to do this. You know, we talk about, you know, they got to drive the bus. I think everyone's heard that. And that's true. You know, if a kid's struggling in class, he needs to come to my office and say, Coach, I need help. Yeah, no problem, man. We'll, we can get it for you. Like it's because it, it, I want him to know how easy it is to get that help for that class. Just as it is, Coach, man, I'm struggling on these breaking balls. All right, man. Like we can go work, figure it out. We'll go hit the cage and we can figure it out. It's not life and death. Like help is there, you know, our community at Rochester, it's, it's full of people that want to see the student, the students succeed, but the students sometimes don't see that and understand that. And I'm trying to get them to, to go that route. So I I would say, you know, parents, I know you got questions, you know, ask the academic questions. Absolutely. Ask the safety questions on campus absolutely um ask you know does my son room with another baseball player one hundred percent like coach, how long are you planning on being there or here at this school? very good question, but when it comes to a lot of the other ones, you know the the student athletes gotta ask that. I think that's a fantastic
0: piece of advice to all the parents that are listening out there that like to the-
2: and I'm not a I'm
0: not a father yet. Um, Keith is newly minted, um, and Joe, you've, you've been a, a a dad for a while now, so I can't speak from that perspective. But I, I got to imagine that it's hard to not want to do do that. But if you're a parent, like take, take Coach Randa's advice and uh, stick to the parent questions, the finances, the academic support, and and let your sons be the ones who are getting recruited um i think it'll go a long way not only for them them as an individual but uh, i think it leaves a a good mark with with coaches um i think the three of us i think other coaches that we've had on the podcast so far i think that's one very common response is when the parents dominate the conversation it always gives me pause
2: no question i always had the um when it was we
1: when it came to like baseball stuff like we think this or we think that and it's like
0: well <clears throat>
1: guess whose line guess whose name's not gonna be in the lineup yours yeah. dad so but you're right like I, I think the you know,
2: I think it's a guy you weigh 450 pounds you ain't ran it 16 years man no. <laughs> but like I, I <laughs> sorry, can we edit that out
1: <laughs> I don't think yes we can <laughs> I don't know what
2: to do with my hands
1: <laughs> but I, I i don't think the i think it's a little bit i i think it's a little bit more unique at a rochester and an rpi a place like that because of the price tag you know and i i think sometimes you, you feel like you that that conversation can get a little bit dominated because of the amount of financial aid questions and things like that um you know, but I, I, I felt like as I got older, I kind of figured out that it was, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, as long as I heard more baseball stuff from the young man that was looking to come play versus, you know, sometimes it was only like three or four questions and they got their answer and I liked the kid and it worked out, you know, and then it ends up being a 45 minute conversation on um, finances and stuff, which is fine because like, I mean, it was 80 grand plus to go to RPI, which is absurd. But yeah. yeah. That's where we're at.
2: Yeah. Um the I guess we'll wrap it up here. Um before you leave,
1: Andy, do you have anything you want to add? Any questions you have? Burning questions ask, Coach?
0: Well, I may I may be jumping the gun with what you're gonna ask, but go ahead. I think this is always an interesting thing to close out with, and particularly interesting given that you have two sons who are going through this now. But if you're going to give some advice to some, to players uh, that they could use to help them in the recruiting process, what would be one or two little nuggets that you would say, "Hey, like here's some stuff that you need to think about," or "Here's some stuff you need to consider as you go through this process."
2: So, I, I it's a great question because it's. <clears throat> You know, I just had a conversation with my, my 16-year-old the other day about it when he mentioned a few schools. And I had said to him, all right, number one, you know, academically, what kind of options do they have academically, right? It's got to really fit what you're looking for. I said, but number two, you grew up on the campus of the University of Rochester. You grew up playing and practicing and throwing the ball in our indoor field house that has three cages. You grew up on an AstroTurf field with lights. You know, these are the things, these are the places you grew up playing on. And you got to look at schools that offer those facilities to you because you, you just, that's become innate in your, in what you do right? Like you, you, you're a, you're a baseball rat. You you want to hit every day. You want to take ground balls every day. You can do that with turf and lights. These two schools that you're interested in that have reached out don't have either. And their indoor facility is a gym. So how happy are you going to be when you, you can't go do what, what you just did? And his response was, how many places have what you have? And I go, that's for you to figure it out and and do your research and do your homework. And it goes back to what I said before. I've already lived this journey, right? This is yours. If it's really important to you, you'll do the research. Everything is online. You can find it all. They all post pretty pictures on everything. You can do the research. Online and figure it out. Um, and he and kind of like took a pause and was like, "Yeah, you're kind of right." I go, "Yeah, like you you want to you want to you improve your game. You you want to go to a place that has facilities that are open that you can do that, that you're not restricted in its use, that you share it with another team, or it's 25 minutes off campus. You know those those things are important because." Hey, listen, you might love the school and that's great, but how are you going to do if you don't have an on-campus facility? Like, you know, I told him, I go, you wouldn't do well with that. So um, I, I think, you know, and the last piece is, and I always tell the kids that I coach in the summer that are, you know, in our program. You want someone that you're going to send your son to that you would trust to raise your son. If you were no longer around him. period as a parent, I take that, you know, that's a job I take extremely, extremely serious. Um, I've had those tough decisions and, and, you know, conversations with players when they're going through some really tough times, and trying to give them you know that that sage advice we're all looking for. Um, but as a parent, I want to make sure that my, that's where my sons are. You know that they're playing for two guys like you guys that I would trust. I would trust you if something were to happen to me. They could lean on you guys. You know that that's that's really. You know, people may say, well, that sounds pretty serious, but hey, we've all been there and, and dealt with kids that have lost a loved one that they've relied on. And who do they lean on? Baseball coaches, the guys that they're around every day. So I, I think those are that that's that's what I would leave people with.
1: I think the one thing, too, and thank you for saying that. I, that's very nice um the the amount of time that your if you're a parent that like that you have to understand the amount of time that your son is going to be spending with their baseball coaches is way more than you have ever can, that you can really fathom right now before them actually going through a, a full season right like the amount of time that you're going to spend on the baseball field in the dugout <clears throat> on buses, in hotels, all that stuff during the season. Like it it is hours upon hours upon hours. And if you like for, you know, to to the recruiting end of it, like if you don't get along with that person, like it might not end well, but like you want to be with somebody who is going, like you get along with and you trust and you do have that, you know, trust that if, you know, this person that they're going to spend a ton of time with is going to be the right person for them. They're gonna actually get them to be better, you know. And I think that that's something like I strive to be that guy when I was coaching, and we're, like we're doing that now is like you know when we're working with families and trying to like get that through to people, like, hey, you're gonna to want to go play for somebody who actually cares, who's not only a really good coach, but they're a really good person too, yep. and, and trying to get that through to families because there's no like the amount of time, just 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 sheer time that you spend with, with your kids. Is like pales in comparison to, to a lot of other things like this is, this is a game and, and it's a, you know, you say this, it's a lifestyle, right? Like it's not really, it's not really a career. It's not really a like this is a lifestyle that you lead that like you it affords us the opportunity to do a lot of different things that otherwise people don't do in nine to five jobs, but it takes up a lot of your time. And yep. you you enjoy it because you when you surround yourself with really good kids that want to get better and they're really good at what they do it, it makes your job rewarding you know and that's where you know those are the coaches that you want your kids to go play for you know one hundred percent you know and it's and at the end of the day this is a business right like you're gonna have some people that aren't gonna be there when you get there or they might leave halfway through but like the guys that like you could go there and the guy that is going to leave is going to put so much thought thought into that process that it's like, it's killing me to leave, but it's better for my family. And like yeah. that guy is the guy that you want your kids playing for. Yep. Not the, hey, I've been here for two years. I'm just going to go to this job and make more money because I can't, yep. you know, and yep. there's a difference there and, and you know, right or wrong, but like, that's just my personal feeling
0: yep. on that. Yeah, playing for somebody who is gonna give you what you need and not what you want all the time. Right. Like hold you accountable, you know, love it when you need to be loved, challenge you when you need to be challenged because it's the right thing to do. Like that's those are the kind of guys that I want to see our guys that we help go play for. Right. It's not about, you know, he's you're he's not gonna give you what you want because you think you earned it. Like you're gonna have to earn it. But when you come out the backside of a program that's run by a really good human being, you're going to figure out how good of a player you can be because they're going to coach you up. And you're going to walk out of the backside of it a better person because you're going to get held accountable. You're going to get loved when you need to get loved. Right? Like you're going to get challenged when you need to get challenged. And those are the lessons that I think are hard to quantify when you have the experience of being a college athlete, especially if you can find yourself in an environment where you made the right choice. Is those lessons are the ones that get you where you want to go when you get done with school. Those yeah. are the things that allow kids to persevere through, you know, tough times or you know when things don't go their way because it's inevitable. Those lessons you learn from a coach who cares, from a coach who's invested in you, he's also invested in the team. Those are the guys we want to see our guys go play for, and I think if you're a parent. You want to make sure that they're you're checking that box for your son, right? Like it shouldn't be easy for him all the time because it's not going to be easy for him all the time. And you know, you get coaches who throw out a lot of promises, and I can promise you that when push comes to shove, they're not going to uphold them if it doesn't mean that you're the right guy for the certain situation. And that was always a red flag for me whenever I would hear kids, you know, we we're recruiting guys and they'd be like, yeah, well, so and so says I'll, I'll start as a freshman, and be like, okay like I get that like he's telling you what you want to hear like that's a red flag yeah. for me a little on topic but
2: yeah Yeah. so
0: any other closing remarks Joe
2: oh I think you guys I think what you guys are doing is great you know I uh I think it it's it's needed I think in this day and age and I don't I don't foresee it getting any better as I'm kind of going through this with my my 16 year old it's it's tough it's challenging um but i think having you know got two guys that you know we're in the business know it have a ton of connections um in all different levels i think it's i think it's great what you guys are doing so appreciate you guys having me on uh thank I'm, you I really really appreciate it, it Joe. I don't
0: know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, we thanks so much. I know taking time out of out of your day and you know with your kids and getting ramped up for what is the inevitable uh, summer chaos. Um, really appreciate you taking a few minutes and sitting down and uh, sharing some knowledge to the to the masses.
2: Awesome.